This week on Honey, You Should Watch This, we watched Young Adult. And I would like to tell Mavis, if you're going to get angry about somebody stealing your song, it should really be a much better song. Welcome to another episode of Honey, You Should Watch This. Uh, and this is a podcast where a husband, which is Greg over there. Me. Hi, Greg. And a wife, which is me. Hi. Hi. Um, we sometimes have very divergent tastes in movies. And on this podcast, um, we force each other, I mean, encourage each other to watch something that they would not normally watch um, and so we can learn to explore each other's taste in movies. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It works most of the time. <laughs> I'm not so sure about this week's pick, which is my pick, Young Adult. But So how are you doing, Greg? I'm here. You're here? Yeah, I'm here. We are still here amongst quarantine. Eh. They're starting to lift it in this state a just a little bit, not a lot, not fully, but I still don't know when I'm going to go back to the office, but... Uh, Jesus, I hope on Monday. I'm tired of seeing you. Oh, don't you dare. I know. I'm actually having fun. Don't you dare. <laughs> um, I, want, I just would like to know because I was looking on Amazon Prime today and all the movies that I wanted to see last year, you know, like The Lighthouse and Midsommar and all that are now on Amazon Prime. I know. And I'm like, I was going to tell you, but I don't want to watch them. <laughs> I know you don't want to watch them, but I'm like, I need to like see how much time I have left before I have to go to the office. And maybe I'd take another personal day and just sit in there and watch it and feel unencumbered by the, I should be doing something else because what the heck are, are you going to do? Um, cause you know, we're supposed to stay inside. So, yeah. Well, we're not supposed to stay inside. We're, right. we're, we're not supposed, supposed to, to go out in public. We're supposed but... to socially distance. Yeah. 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 So, so anyway, anywho, you picked young adult for us I, this week. I did. And uh, why did you pick this movie? I picked this movie uh, for several reasons. Um, one of them being that it is an extremely interesting character study. Okay. As far as the character of Mavis, where it's very rare you get um, a main character that's female that is so highly unlikable. Uh, but there's yeah, a you can say that again. there's a lot to it, um, and that's the kind of film I like where you can kind of dive into somebody's personality a little bit with each watch. Um, secondly, Pat Oswalt is amazing in this film, um, and it's also kind of this interesting subversion of what you think it is originally going to be before you, if you don't know anything about it. So it's a, it's a, you know, you, it's kind of painted at this, as this quirky rom-com and it's not. So it's definitely not, it's not a, it, okay. I agree. Okay. We'll, we'll get into it later. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't I do our 
summary of this film. Okay. Um, I've, I've got a little bit of a long one here. Oh, my God. Um, if you have not listened to the podcast before, I'm warning you up front, we get very, very spoilery. Um, we don't hide much about certain films, especially if they're older films like this one, which was 2011. Okay, so Young Adult is a 2011 film, um, and it is by the writer-director matchup of Diablo Cody and Jason Reitman. Um, they previously had collaborated on the film Juno. Um, in the film, 38-year-old Mavis Gary is a divorcee living in Minneapolis and a ghostwriter for the once popular but now ending young adult book series Waverly Prep. She spends her days watching reality TV, guzzling Diet Coke, eating junk food, and largely ignoring her sweet little pup Dolce. At night, she drinks a lot and then goes out on dates, and that ends up as one-night stands, which um, are her choice to be one-night stands. When she receives a mass birth announcement via email from her now happily married high school sweetheart Buddy Slade and his wife, Beth, she takes this as a sign that he is unhappy and she needs to go steal him back so they can rescue each other. Ignoring her book deadline, she impulsively drives back to her hometown of Mercury, Minnesota and attempts to reconnect with Buddy. Her first night in town, she runs into a former classmate, Matt Freehoff, whom she doesn't recognize until she sees that he's got a crutch and realizes that he's the hate crime guy. In high school, a bunch of jocks thought Matt was gay and attacked him with a crowbar and left him permanently disabled. She tells him that he's back in town to win Buddy back. She's back in town to win Buddy back, and during her time in Mercury, Matt becomes her drinking buddy and unwilling confidant and conscience. When she meets for a drink with Buddy, he invites her to see his wife's band the next night. She flirts with Buddy and plies him with drinks and offers to drive him home when Beth wants to take advantage of her first free night out after having the baby. When dropping Buddy off at his house, she steals a kiss, which is quickly interrupted by the babysitter. The next day, Buddy invites Mavis to the baby's naming ceremony, at which she confesses that she's there in town to win him back and that she can save him from his fate of living in a small town and the fate of family life. Buddy quickly asks her to leave and departs to set up his surprise gift for his wife. An upset Mavis downs a few drinks and heads out with the rest of the party for Buddy's big reveal. Beth accidentally bumps into Mavis, who spills sangria on her dress. Mavis unloads, revealing on, on Beth, revealing that Buddy had gotten her pregnant when they were 20, but Mavis had a miscarriage. Mavis's humiliation is further exacerbated when Buddy admits he didn't invite her to the naming ceremony that Beth forced him to because she felt sorry for Mavis. She leaves the party and heads to Matt's house for comfort and ends up sleeping with him. The next morning, on the verge of an epiphany that she needs to change, Matt's sister, who idolized Mavis in high school, convinces her that she's too good for this town and the people in it. Once again, inflated with her ego and stoking her entitlement, Mavis leaves Mercury and heads back to Minneapolis. On the way, she finishes the book with a lead character graduating high school and not looking back. Yeah, but she paid attention to the puppy, so that's all that matters. Yeah, the puppy, yeah. So this film stars Charlize Theron as Mavis Gary, Patton Oswalt as Matt Freehoff, Patrick Wilson as Buddy Slade, Elizabeth Reeser as Beth Slade, Colette Wolf as Sandra Freehoff, and Jill Eikenberry as Hedda, Mavis's mom. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. 
So when I picked out this film for you, you had not had you not seen anything about this film? I'd seen a little bit about it. Okay, so what were you expecting? I thought um, I don't know why, but from the from the commercials that I remember seeing, I mean, I like Patton Oswalt and I like Charlie's Shirley's Theron. She's done good movies. She's a good actress. I seem to remember. I felt like it was something to do where she. I thought she was kind of homeless. Oh really? And she was always in trouble. That's why when I realized, because because when it first started out, you know, it shows her in that really nice apartment. You know, like what t- twenty floors up or what? Rise, yeah. I thought it was like government housing or something. I and then I quickly realized that well, she has a job and you know, so uh, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't really know what to expect. I never delved into it because it wasn't a popular movie. Right. uh, and I don't mind dark comedies but I feel like that when you have a dark comedy there should be some comedy involved (laughs) you laughed a few times Uh, yeah like twice (laughs) I think I think uh three I I I, I had to search for my third favorite part so Mm. Uh, I mean it was not it just wasn't it didn't go down the road I thought the young adult thing was going to be like she's she's in her thirties, but she acts like she's in her teens. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I didn't realize it was going to be that she's a writer of young adult books. So well, kind of a, kind of a throw. But she's also very stunted, right? She's in a state of arrested development. She acts like a teenager. She wasn't in that show. <laughs> um, she, you know, she does. She's she's still living um, her feeling like she's the, she was her best in high school but i think she still acts like a teenager um you know they set her up as you know she eats junk food all day she gets up and she swigs diet coke she's watching reality tv um you know she's writing books at a you know about high schoolers um and kind of pulling from her life right cuz she was a popular girl in high school and um and even the insights as she's writing, because it's kind of as she's writing, you get this kind of voiceover of, of what she's writing down. Um, you know, it's it's ridiculous, right? The ri- ridiculous things that she's writing, and it's at this young level. And she, tr- I'm like, she truly is, you know, not has not grown up emotionally. That's so. that's apparent. Yes. Yeah. Um, She's an interesting character because she's not at all likable. Um, she's stunted, as she said. Um, I find it interesting because she's a slob, right? You see her apartment and there's just empty bottles and there's food and her bed's unmade and stuff all over the floor. But there are certain parts of her um, in the intro segment where you see things are very neatly stacked or put together and I think it's interesting what they are. Like when she opens the cabinet to feed her dog, all the dog food is very organized and straight. I think it's because she's an alien. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> um, when she's writing, you see above her, um, yeah, she's got the Waverly Prep Bible, right? Because a lot of these series have a Bible that they have to kind of, it's the character outlines and Mm -hmm. and things like that. So it's stuff they have to stick with in terms of continuity. And then all the books she wrote um, are all very neat and, you know, proper. And then her clothes are pretty much, you know, her closets don't look all that messy and stuff like that. So it's just very interesting. that Those are the things that are not slobby, but everything else is just. Well, I, I, I I get the clothes because you had the scene where she was at the, 
Was it Macy's that yeah. she was at in Mercy? And Mer- in, 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 is it Mercy? Mercury. Ta- Mer- Mercury. And she asked for that really high-end designer. And the woman looked at her like, excuse me. So mm-hmm. she, she's got really good taste. Mm-hmm. And she wants to take care of her clothes because it, even the scene where she got pissed off that her silk blouse got, got ruined, I mean, she was she was angry. Mm-hmm. That doesn't surprise me, but nobody likes to clean the kitchen. Right. <laughs> I mean, seriously. You know, I mean, I mean, um, we all knew that guy in high school who had the car, mm-hmm. right? And it was like his baby. Like it was, it was you know. Right. It, and then you'd go to his house and his shit was just everywhere, but he waxed a car and washed it every day. So. Right. You know, she she cared about what was important to her, not what was normal. Well, her car. That's it's funny that you say the car because in the you know when she decides to leave, they show her in the car and getting ready, and when she puts the tape that you know has the high school mixtape that was made to, for Buddy to her. <laughs> yeah, um, she's you see like smudges and you know what I mean. It looked like my car. Um, <laughs> But it wasn't like it's not a, a completely cheap car. She was driving a Cooper Mini. Yeah. Um so just like she did in the Italian job. <laughs> yeah, in the Italian job. But you notice the one thing I noticed about this too is she's got the Cooper Mini and after she gets in an you know, she bumps the fender trying to park the car after she's been drinking all night. Um and she goes back to her parents' house to get her old car. Her old car's a cabriolet. Um, very similar, small, same color cars. So it's like that she hasn't a, really progressed in her taste. That was a preppy car back yeah. when it was out too. It wasn't like a right. You know, um, the fu- one thing about Mavis too is she cannot read a room. <laughs> you think she's not concerned with being polite unless she feels she has to. Um, and when she has to, you can see it strains her. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a scene in the beginning this. This movie has an extremely long extended scene before it even gets to the titles. Um, so you kind of get to know her almost in very few words. But it shows her on that blind date with the guy in the restaurant. He's talking about this time he went overseas to teach, you know, in a third world country. And she's like, oh, my God, that's horrible. Yeah, she was. <laughs> and the guy's super proud of it. And she's yeah. like, oh, why? <laughs> and he says it was the most rewarding thing of my life. And then she gets this look on her face, like you know, oops. Any, no, 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 like, like, not. I didn't, I didn't even catch it as an oops. I caught it as a like, uh, what? So you're like, okay, this date's over. The next scene, they're in bed. Yeah. And he's asleep, and I'm like, Jesus. You well, you, you the whole reading the room thing and all you that you just said. That is what a very narcissistic personality is. Yeah. And oh, she yeah. is 100. percent She's like, like, if if if. Like a super duper narcissist is like a hundred percent. She's like a hundred percent squared. I don't even know that they have a word for it. I'm not so sure it's it. Uh, it's a hundred. Bec- I'm not a mental health professional. I want I want to make sure that we neither one of us are. But I kind of I kind I kind of <laughs> looked up. You know, because I one reason I like these kind of films is you can delve into somebody's personality, right? And. So I don't necessarily feel that she's full on into the narcissistic, but I'll get into a little bit breakdown later of what I think she is. Okay. Um, she's got, but let's kind of, she's impulsive. She makes self-destructive choices. Um, a lot of backhanded compliments in this thing. Oh, I love your house. Is it shabby chic? Yeah. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, that was, I think that was the writer's attempt at humor. To, that, was, that was how they wanted to make you laugh. 
was was right. the, the insult humor and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or what she says to, you know, one of the girls that's in the band that she goes to see. She's like, oh, I just I'm really inspiring to see like a single mother up there on stage with so much confidence. You know, that kind of thing. It's very, again, very high school. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the thing is, is like I as I watch this, because it was like I think maybe the third or fourth time I've seen this movie. Okay. Um. When you watch it, you don't like her, right? But I'm. Are one, you sure? Are you wondering? <laughs> but I, w- I really wonder, like, if this movie were kind of done from the opposite, and you had somebody like Seth Rogen, or even like, let's let's put it in somebody that that's considered more attractive terms. Um, who's the guy that always works with Seth Rogen? James uh, Franco. James Franco. If you had James Franco in that role, which role? In the Mavis role, right? If he were like a male version of Mavis, mm-hmm. would it be more funny? No, or less funny? Uh, it would still be. It was uh, because watching you, watching this movie, all I could think about was this is just like watching Michael Scott on The Office, except when I watched The Office, I laughed. Okay, you know what I mean. But you know, you look at the roles like what Seth Rogen plays, right? In mm-hmm. Knocked Up or something Stoner. like that. Stoner, loser, Stoner. slob, um, Stoner. Not very motivated, Stoner. you know. <laughs> um, but you, he ends up being somewhat likable, even though you cringe at his his choices mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, it's very strange that it's like a woman doing this, and you and and you know. But that's kind of what I I see for it. Yeah, right. but I mean, when you talk about like Seth Rogen's roles, like when he's like in Knocked Up, and you know, this is forty, and and those and those roles like that. He he's likable because he's not a piece of shit. He's just he's un, he's just unmotivated and, and right. He might okay. be he might be stuck in his teens, mm-hmm. but he's not an asshole. He's just like you know what? I don't I don't want a corporate job. I just want to stay home and watch Bugs Bunny and smoke weed. Mm-hmm. She is like she's a, a driven, pr- professionally driven individual, but she's just. She's just a bitch. I mean, she. Okay. There's, you know what I mean. Well, okay. Let's let's then go the other way and say, okay, if what about like a character like Ron Burgundy? He's an asshole. An asshole. Oh yeah. yeah. But we laugh at him. It was okay though because it was the '70s. <laughs> that's how it was. No, I know we, but but we laugh at him because that's that's somebody being an asshole over the top for comedic effect. Right, you know what I mean, and right. you don't you don't get that in in a- mm-hmm. actual life. Right, you, Dumb and Dumber. It's fun to watch them because they're so stupid, but there's really nobody that stupid in real life because they're dead. Dar- Darwinism right. has kicked in. So <laughs> her she she is. I mean, <clears throat> she she's. It was really. It's really. She really did a good job w- with the character. Yeah, and, 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 those, and, and those types of things yeah. are really Charlize Theron's wheelhouse. She, yeah. yeah, and there are and there are people out there that act like this for one reason or another, whether they're depressed or they're alcoholics mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. It's just it was it it was for me it, uh, like I said about watching watching The Office, but I laughed at The Office. She you kept seeing her making these decisions that were completely wrong and were going to affect her, but there were people. Yeah, but there was no I declare bankruptcy at yeah. the end of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're like Jesus, what are you doing? And then you're like God. God, you dummy, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's, it can be very hard to find empathy for that character. But I mean, there are pieces where you can kind of see, and this is kind of where her mental, you know, oh, situation I, I uh, kind of falls in. I'm like, she's, she's self-professed an alcoholic, 
right? She thinks she, <laughs> um, she says she's depressed. Um, she has trichotillomania, which is that pulling out of her hair. Right. Um, that's a compulsive thing. Um, and it usually happens when somebody, um, not it, not all the time, but it's it's thought to be brought about by either depression or or, or anxiety, and it's just it's thought it's kind of a thoughtless behavior, but it's kind of done to relieve stress or you know. So it's but she's got that, and it's implied that she's had it since she was young. Well, her father's her, I yeah, mean, her parents not, when she sat at the table. You're not pulling your hair again, yeah. Yeah. Um, her parents don't seem to want to see who she is or hear what she has to say. Um, I don't think it's that they don't seem to want to. They straight up don't want to. Right, right. They don't seem to engage with their daughter beyond the superficial. And you can kind of maybe take from that that she didn't really have a lot of boundaries when she was younger. So her entitlement is, you know. I kind of, I kind of took that. Two different ways, and I and I don't think that they let you spend enough time with her parents because I think yeah. that would have been a really good look into maybe why she was the way she was. Right. But she had because she was only with them at the breakfast, mm-hmm. and then she talked to her mom briefly at the party at the at the basically what was the climax of the movie. Right. And she'd say something, and her mom and dad would just kind of brush it off. Now, did they brush it off because they? Couple of reasons. She says, I'm an alcoholic. She said, straight up said to him, I'm an alcoholic. I think I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. And her mom just goes, <laughs> and laughs. Right. And you're like, what the, what? Right. So did she do that because she did not want to acknowledge that they were failures as parents? Did she do that because they just straight up didn't know how to handle it? Mm-hmm. Did they do that because they're in denial? Right. Did they do that because they don't want to acknowledge that their daughter who lives in the big city and writes these massive books might have, you know what I mean? Right. There's like a hundred different, but you right. know nothing about her parents, right? Except they, that, except that her dad. I mean, it was it was like a 1950s household because mm-hmm. he just sat right there and watched while, she, while the mom, you know, it was right. Did right. all the work, so you're like, why? Why maybe a little bit more right. into that? But well, even when she said, because you know, when she came into the house, there's a picture of her at her wedding. With the, the oh, yeah. ex-husband, and she says, "Mom, can you take that photo down? I mean, we're not married anymore." And she's like, "It's a nice memory." And she's like, "A nice mer- memory of my failed marriage." Well, it was a nice day, and it wasn't. No, she, a- she said it was a nice day. They had, they had. Um, it wasn't a failure. It was a nice. You know, the wedding wasn't a failure. <laughs> no, she said it. What the wedding? It, that it wasn't. It wasn't a failure. They had like the tiramisu she, was good. That's what she said. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm thinking. Wow, no wonder you're fucked up. Yeah, so that it's it's very you know that's very interesting, and I think one of the one of the other really deep clues that there's something wrong with Mavis is um, it's given when she goes to Be- Buddy and Beth's house, and they're in the house, and she points out this emotions chart that Beth uses with her um, her special needs students, mm-hmm. and and Mavis goes, well, what if you feel nothing? And she's like, well, a lot of my students, they feel nothing. That's why they need to understand what, you know, what I mean, emotions are. And it's, you know, it just puts the spotlight on there's something not quite right, right. you know, with Mavis. I got you. Um, so what I was looking at um, and doing a little bit of research, uh, again, this is all armchair um therapist kind of work stuff like that but I, I read a couple of articles that kind of put her in the category 
um, of maybe borderline personality disorder. And there, there are some other things too that I, th I think also kind of give her shades of what's called hysteronic personality disorder. But borderline personality disorder, um, you need to meet five of the following criteria. Um, and one is frenetic efforts to avoid uh, real or imagined abandonment. A pattern, a pattern of unstable or intense interpersonal relationships characterized by alternating between extremes of idolization and devaluation. Okay. Identity disturbance, markedly and persistently unstable self-image or sense of self. Impulsively in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging. Uh, impulsivity in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging. Recurrent suicidal behavior, gestures, or threats of self or self-mutilating behavior. Um, effective instability due to marked reactivity of mood. Uh, chronic feelings of emptiness and inappropriate intense anger or difficulty controlling anger. And transient stress-related paranoid ideation or severe dissociative symptoms. So she has a few of those, right? Okay. Um, one of the things um, in histrionic personality disorder is um, they're easily suggestible, right? The, I remember I, there was a video that a uh, film student did, and she basically took the character of Scarlett O'Hara and showed her traits of histrionic personality disorder. Um, and one of them was she tends to follow what somebody else does, right? So Melanie makes um, something for her, for Ashley, right? Before he goes off to war. So Scarlett's got to make something else to go with his uniform. Um, so what I saw in the Mavis character is she uses other people to kind of, put her put words in whether it's her writing like she listens to other teenagers when she's in stores and stuff like that and then uses it in her writing um and the other thing was um when she was talking when she's trying to get buddy to run away with her she had heard when she was in like the kentaco hut mm -hmm. right um somebody saying oh i told him he was my moon and my stars and what you know <laughs> whatever else was she uses that she mimics that back to buddy she does not come up with a lot of things with a heck of a lot of originality even though she is a creative right yeah but she yeah she even stole that from um she did it twice mm -hmm. she, she 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 used the one line on buddy but then she used the other line in the book where she was at um their textual chemistry yeah yeah, but where were they at? They were at a were they at a bookstore? She was somewhere shopping or something. She and was heard shopping. The two younger, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she does. You know, she does kind of look to other things, and I think she also pulls a lot of you know the stuff that she's used for her books because you see her watching the Kardashians all the time and all that high emotional, over dramatic stuff is is what she pulls from. Right. But. Um. But again, I think I think even though she's very hard to watch, um, she's still kind of fascinating oh, in okay. her own way. <laughs> you don't agree? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I I understand what you're coming from, but you like to dig into that, and I I don't. Mm -hmm. I I just. I mean, somebody should have slapped her a long time ago, and. <laughs> 
You know, I mean, uh, you know, like the the guy kept calling her, you know, looking for the book. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. I mean, there's lots of ghostwriters out there that mm-hmm. they, they don't. I like how, I mean, so she she feels like she has leverage because she's written these books, but yet the series is over. So obviously she hasn't written that well. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Well, I also think that it's it's a matter of taste in the you know in the young adult environment because a lot of people are like oh you write books about vampires and stuff so I mean there are trends right and this was in the what she was writing was kind of in the vein of like Sweet Valley High maybe right you know and those books no one's gonna want to read those books anymore or the Babysitters Club or whatever no, no, right I, I know but I'm just I was just mm. saying that so it's over so. You only have one more, so why are you going to kill yourself trying to get... You can have anybody write it. They can go back and, and look at it. And she she acts like she has this leverage, but when in reality, she, 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 she she's making the... She feels like she's calling the shots, whereas the guy that was writing the book, that, that was getting her to write the book, could have just said, you know what? Fuck it. You're done. Well, that's... You're, you're fired. You, that's, you, you know what I mean? That's part of her self-destructive behavior, right? She She's screwing with her future. I, I, know, um, I know, but... Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. They they make it like she's this really powerful, really amazing whatever. No, but she makes it like she's that. That that right. that's what I'm saying. Okay. The, the story. Okay. Follow me here. Okay. You said they, and I'm like the story. Well, the, all right. Never okay. mind. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I'm thinking that the character of Mavis. They make the movie out that she's this unbelievable person. She lives in the big city, and she's from the small town, and everybody idolizes her. Uh, she was the prom queen or, or the height of whatever. They, they act like it, they, they have written this movie that she's Cinderella and everybody else is the little mice. That's, that's how they're portraying her character in the eyes of everybody else. That's what she thinks that they're doing. Oh, that's what the character feels. Yes. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and even though nobody likes her because she's such a bitch, but she thinks that that equates to... She can do whatever she wants. She mm-hmm. can sleep with whoever she wants. She she just ignores whoever she wants until she needs them. She doesn't. There's no consequences for her actions. When we all know that in real life that would not be the case. Somebody would have knocked her teeth out. Somebody would have fired her. Somebody would have gotten her pregnant, given her something. There would have been. That's the. That's when I don't like to see. When they do a movie like this, and and yes, it's just as it's just as the same when you know it's a it's a rock and roll blow shit up movie. There's no consequences. This is more real life. So at some point, something would have happened to have brought her back down to earth. I feel like before she was thirty, thirty five, whatever whatever right, they are. But there's a there are a lot of people, including some people that we probably know that, um, from a a point of view of. Yeah, they feel that way, but it isn't maybe always intentional in how they react because of whatever disorders that they have mentally, right? Okay. They, they without help, they consistently make these bad choices. Um, so let's, I think this is a good, good time, I think, to kind of switch into the fact that on the surface of this, if you look at the components of what you're seeing, it has the foundations of a rom-com, but Diablo Cody has kind of taken it and deconstructed it into something that's different. Um, Even Charlene Theron, when she was interviewed, she describes it that this is a movie that is dressed up to be something that it's not. 
Yeah. Um, because if you, let's let's take this kind of components of what could make this a rom com, and the decisions that they made, that kind of turn it on its head. Right. You've got an unfulfilled woman living in the city, in a job that is seemingly glamour, glamour, um, glamorous. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, even though she is a She's not the star, right? She is just a ghostwriter, so she doesn't even get her name on the cover. Right. Okay. Um, and something triggers her um, to seek fulfillment because she feels unfulfilled. So she sets her sights on um, a man who the audience knows is the wrong man. And she seeks the help of a kind of friend-zoned or more appropriate character right but is not looked at as a love interest um now in a rom-com it would be she fails and then she realizes that she needs to make some changes in order to be happy and then in a rom-com world she would end up with the more appropriate match right right which Um, i said to you straight up if she ends up with Patton oswald at the end of this movie i'm gonna be pissed (laughs) off (laughs) yeah um this is a movie where she doesn't really get her come up and she kind of does, but it doesn't stick. She right? does she doesn't get a come up cuz she doesn't care that those people don't like her because she doesn't like them. Well, that's she doesn't change. She gets embarrassed a little bit. Mm-hmm. But and she doesn't get what she wants at the end, but there was no like, "Oh, I'm so sad and disappointed. You know what? I'm going to have to change because these people don't like me." She could give two shits that those people don't like her. Well, there was a point where she was like, "I have to change." And it's Matt's sister the next morning because she sleeps with Matt. Right. And the next morning she does the same thing because Matt's in the same position of the guy we see in the beginning of the film that she goes out on the date with, with his arm around her. Right. And she sneaks out of bed and she gets dressed and she goes upstairs and she has a conversation with, with Matt's sister. Um, and she was like, I'm a mess. I need help. I need to change. And the sister, because the sister has idolized her all the way through high school, <clears> is like, oh, no, it's not you. It's not. You know what I mean? And she's, this town sucks. This town sucks. Take me with you. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, what? What did you just say? And she basically prevents that thing that you think is going to happen from happening. So she's kind of that, you know, it's. Well, she changes a little bit because she cares about the puppy. Yeah, she well, she feels bad about the puppy. Yeah, she's left the puppy in the puppy hotel the room. Thing in the world. Hotel room for two days. Um, but it's funny. But I'm like, I, I, so I thought about the whole the whole film and this thing is, you know, the the romantic comedies, you know, uh, kind of put on its head. And I thought about other things like the closest thing I can think to Mavis that is that is more likable but still in the same vein and then but but goes through the change and makes the change is um is Kristen Wiig's character of Annie in Bridesmaids almost you know what I mean well you mentioned my best friend's wedding too I did mention a best friend's wedding she's I mean she's just Julia Roberts is downright awful right but yeah, but the, I I think Kristen Wiig's character in Bridesmaids isn't the same as this. She's a good person who cares about her friends, but she gets angry when she thinks that person has stolen her friend. Right. The the character in My Best Friend's Wedding, the only difference there is that she's trying to stop the person that she cares about from getting married instead of breaking up a family because she wants her old boyfriend back. Right. And 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 My Best Friend's Wedding that was a shitty movie too. Just so you know. 
This movie wasn't shitty. That movie was. Right. Um, I think I think Annie in in Bridesmaids. I mean, she's she's fallen on hard times, right? She's been hurt. She, the well, guy. Yeah, she's not on Saturday Night Live anymore. Well, <laughs> Annie, not Kristen Wiig. <laughs> so Annie. No, Annie's not on Saturday Night Live either. <laughs> um, so Annie is is you know her her boyfriend broke up with her. Um, her her business went under. She's now kind of in this stunted a- area of her life, and the only thing that's keeping her going is her best friend. Mm-hmm. And her best friend is getting married, and she feels like she's losing her best friend. Right. She does. She goes for the inappropriate man, which is the John Hamm character. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, the right man, who is the cop, is the one that kind of gets friend zoned a little bit and and pushed pushed away when he's forcing her to maybe pick something up and do something with her life because she doesn't want to change um but in the case of bridesmaids annie does realize at some point and it's melissa mccarthy's character that kind of says you need you know i mean you're good you're 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 smart you know how you know you are worthy take care of yourself what are you doing here um and so, you know, it moves on and, and she she finally ends up with the appropriate man. Mm-hmm. Um, not in not in young adult. And as far as Julia Roberts, yeah, she was just the thing that kind of sparked her off is, you know, her and her best friend always said, when we turn 30, if we're not married, we'll get married. He turns 30. She turns 30. He calls her and says, hey, I'm getting married. And now she's on a mission. Um, I know I saw she, it. Yeah, I know. I'm well. <laughs> we have listeners who may not have seen it. Well, what do you do and go waste two hours of your life? <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But she's a terrible character. But a lot of people didn't walk away from that movie going, "What a horrible character!" Because oh, was, it was, movie was huge. It was Julia Roberts, yeah. right? So it's it's just kind of funny that you know they've kind of taken this what we expect for, that's going to happen into this movie and really show you something different well when something gets labeled as a dark you can pretty much get on board that it's not going to end the way you think it should end or or it's Mm -hmm. not going to go down you know the typical the typical road i I, they call this a dark comedy i i don't see the comedy essence of it i mean it's a little funnier now that i did the you know looking into the movie and some of the inside jokes that they put in there and things like that if i had known that when i saw it it, i would have laughed a little bit more um but the the like the dialogue and the way people actually acted this was this was more of a drama than it was anything else it wasn't to me it, it wasn't funny mm-hmm. uh a couple of you know snickers but there i don't i don't i don't think i remember like ah once laughing out loud i i i chuckled at a couple of the lines but it was just it was just a movie that you watch and you're very uncomfortable the whole time you're watching it you're extremely uncomfortable and even though I, I appreciate them, that's not that's not my vein. Right. I I don't I, I just don't I just don't. You had said because we we're kind of getting through the movie, and it, it it wasn't around the time you said if she ends up with Patton Oswalt, I'm going to be upset and stuff like that. But you you said you were stating that you felt uncomfortable, but you also kind of felt like what the hell's going on here? So what did you think was going to happen at the end as you were watching it? Did you think it was going to get darker, like 
Fatal Attraction darker? No, or did you- <laughs> no. I, I, you know, lots of times you're right. They have that scene at the end where there's the redemption, the redemption arc, mm-hmm. and I thought things were going to have to be like really bad for that redemption arc to work for her. Like something really bad was going to have to happen. Like she killed somebody in a DUI accident, or you know, or um, I don't know, she beat up Beth, or mm-hmm. I, I don't, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I did not want to see her with Patton Oswalt at all. I didn't even want to see him have sex because, I mean, that's kind of shitty for him. <laughs> it, well, I mean, maybe it was good for him, but I mean, I think I think that she had maybe had decided that she was going to give him a chance mm-hmm. because he had treated her so well, and then the sister messed it up. But I, I don't I, I don't really know what I expected. I expected her to end up going back to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, with or without you know that guy, I, I just, I mean, what happened to her at that party really wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it was extremely shitty that she's like in. I like how they made the "I love you, we can be together" scene in the nursery. Yeah, you know what I mean. Together we can beat this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in the nursery, like if this guy is any type of father at all. You only have to just take a peek one way or the other to realize you have what you wanted. That's why you have it. Right. You know, you'd have been better off to hit him up in the bar or yeah. when you were both drunk. I mean, but I get it. That was maybe that's just her arrogance or her narcissism coming out. Yeah, I, I think. Well, it's her extreme misreading of the situation, right? And she does it so much in this movie. Yeah, like completely does. misreads things. Um, so again, I think. Uh, you know, it falls in with her character. But yeah, um, Patton Oswalt in this movie—he's a good actor. He's a very good actor. Very good. He's actor. a good actor. <laughs> no, he's 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 really good. I mean, he doesn't—he's played so many different types of roles, and he he gets them really. He does it really well. Yeah. Um. I I, I mean, I don't. You you keep saying about how good he was. He was good, but I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like it was a stretch. It was just, it was just a good, a good portrayal of a character. I mean, he obviously, after you learn about it, put himself and and put the effort in to learn how to 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 be what he was supposed to be in the movie with the cane and everything. Right. But well, he just he just has the ability with his facial expressions to make you appreciate whatever role he's doing, whether it was on King of Queens mm-hmm. or you know he was in. Um, he was in that my crazy girlfriend a couple times. Crazy, crazy girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah, that was more um, of a yeah. Yeah, I mean, but but he but he's also been in a handful of dramas where he's you know he's really good. I've I've I kind of flirted with watching that one. I can't remember the name of it at this point. The one where he plays the 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 New York Giants fan that gets beat up by his favorite player. I can't remember the name of it. Okay, it's supposed to be really good, but I mean it's it's a straight up drama. He he's he's just a he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. He, he's just. He, and he's kind of a chameleon. I mean, you know it's Patton Oswalt because it's Patton Oswalt, but it, he he never he does he's definitely not typecast by any means. No, he has a he has a, a true sense of of genuinely being in the moment when he's in his roles. Yeah, you know, I, when I first saw Patton Oswalt, it was in King of Queens, um, and that sitcom was like he pulled in all his other comedian friends, and for good or for bad, you know, they were like the guy who plays his cousin. I don't think was a very good actor. Patton Oswalt was... Which one was his cousin? The one that was like the Italian? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't really see him as... Patton Oswalt as an actor until I saw him in United States of Tara. 
Yeah, he was supposed to be really good in that. He was really good in that. So, and even when even talking about this performance in Young Adult, Charlize Theron said it reminded her of seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman on the screen for the first time. That was in Mission Impossible Two, right? <laughs> or was it three? Oh God. <laughs> You can't deny it. He was in it. You apologize to the memory of Phil Seymour Hoffman right now. He got a paycheck. (laughs) He got a paycheck. Um, If I'm I'm correct, mm -hmm. Diablo Cody wrote United States of Terra. Did she? I don't... I think there was... uh, I'll have to look it up at break, but she's... There's, there was a there was a piece of trivia that I ran across that somebody had said something to her. Uh, uh, well, well, uh, well yeah. he knew Jason Reitman, and he got this he got this role basically because Reitman had asked him to help him with some of the script reading. So he did a few table reads right. with um, Charlize Theron, and they're like, "He's perfect. Put him in the role." Um, so he didn't really technically have to audition, but he kind of went through it, but he describes his character in this movie as being the conscience of the film, but at the same time, his character doesn't heed his own advice. Correct. He doesn't. Yeah. Um, he's an, he's an interesting person um, as far as the, the things that he does kind of have his inner life is, is a little richer but you can tell he's not healed at all from what happened to him, which is pretty traumatic, right? Gotcha. Um, he's guarded. He's not delusional is kind of how I, I see it. When they were casting the movie, Jason Reitman asked Diablo Cody what she thought about Pat Oswalt for the role of Matt. And if the writer knew the actor's work, Cody replied, deadpan, are you serious? This, of course, because Oswald was a semi-regular actor on Cody's television show, United States Terror. Oh, okay. She did write that. Yeah, that was a good show. That was a really good show. It was. Uh, I don't... It got a lot of reviews. I've never I've never watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, remember, I remember you watching it and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Tony Collette is just fabulous anyway, so... Um, I think it's, it's, I don't, I think he kind of knows what he's getting himself into when he starts to click with Mavis, but it's funny. It's funny. He's what's clicking between those two characters is, um, Matt's kind of jaded side, right? They both kind of have this, their darker impulses, kind of click with one another Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that they show this foil to matt's character in mavis's cousin who is also he's in a wheelchair but the cousin's in a wheelchair and got into an accident and he's this positive grab life by the balls kind of guy we can do anything normals can do you know because we've got the extra positivity or whatever he says and matt's like oh my god just you know yeah (laughs) i hate that guy (laughs) he was in a a car accident but it was his own fault or something wasn't it yeah what was he was he drinking or something i think so yeah yeah because i thought it was interesting that they had the guy that caused his his own misery Mm -hmm. was completely happy and, and the, guy, the guy that did not cause his own misery was miserable. Yeah. 
Yeah, he had a lot of deep-seated anger, and yeah. In fact, he's like, I, I really fucking hate that guy. I, I think he guy. said that I hate that guy. And the guy's like, hey, how you doing? Let me buy you a beer. <laughs> Mavis at the same time, too, was like, oh, God. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're both like, no. So the fact that they when they do click, but it's, but it's clicking over things that are... N- kind of toxic you know and of course she co- keeps going back to him because you know he, he well he was he was he at makes least his own bourbon you know there was yeah. a spot where they were where they got in her car and they drove to buddy's house and late at night and she's like remember that window this and that and he just looks at her and goes well you're really fucked up aren't you <laughs> yeah <laughs> he does he tell he keeps he tells her you're crazy don't do this this is this is stupid you are you grow up you know <laughs> and he's he's straight he's a straight shooter with her but at the same time he kind of like okay she's just coming around and that's you know what i mean he doesn't say get away from me or anything like that he's just kind of like all right um so he, he he tells her she's crazy but he kind of just accepts her for who she is which is what many people in this movie don't do. They kind of like treat her like this thing, right? <laughs> well, you kind of get the you kind of get the idea that she was a bitch in high school too. Oh yeah, because yeah. If she obviously didn't know these people really since high school because she went away to college, um, and then she never moved back. Mm-hmm. So it was I, you know, I, I, I like town that smells like fish shit. Yeah, yeah, and then you've got. These people are these people are really no better than her because they did not even give her a chance when she came back to town to find out if she had changed if she was a decent person they were still like oh you were a bitch in high school psycho f- prom fifteen queen years bitch, ago yeah. yeah I mean oh sorry I, uh, so I mean it was just eh. but she wasn't I mean I mean straight off anytime she saw someone whether she knew them or not she had to let them know a I'm living in the city. B, I'm a writer of these books, and yeah. you know she she makes it up to be more important than it is, right? And the more successful that it is, because now the, the they're they're kind of killing off this series because no one's buying it anymore. Um, yeah, her interaction with the kid that worked in the bookstore was kind of sad. Oh my god, yeah, it was, and it's again, I'm like, if you replace her with maybe a Seth Rogen character, would that scene be funny? Um, it was uncomfortable, and you were kind of laughing because she kept trying to sign the books and he's trying to well it, de- it depends is is the seth rogan character an an asshole or are they just a stoner yeah eh, i don't know seth rogan i thought it was, an asshole too i thought it, well everybody can <laughs> i thought it was funny that he said yeah they've got their own table over there and she's like oh look at that blah, blah, blah. come to find out there it's because it's, it's, it's a clearance table and they had that one little sign i was like oh man that's gotta fucking hurt talk about a talk about a kick to the neck <laughs> <laughs> i mean this this movie didn't it didn't knock me out watching it. You think about it, they, I mean it's 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 well done. It's put together. I mean Jason Reitman's a good filmmaker, and I have not seen a lot of her stuff, but Diablo Cody gets a lot of credit for what she writes. But she she is kind of stuck in one lane. She writes one thing and she writes it well. I mean, well, yeah, go ahead. Her biggest her biggest movie was most popular movie was Juno, right? And I've never seen it. But I have. Yeah. That's I mean again, you're you're not talking a happy uplifting. Things are super great film. So, well, in Juno, um, when you talk about it, Juno gets attracted to somebody that's not right for her, completely mismatched, and she goes back to the guy who's right, right for her in this. Um, the reason that Diablo Cody wrote this movie is they kept asking her, it's like, gee, you, you seem to always want to write about teenagers and, and, you know, this, you know, telling, you know, kind of inferring that maybe, you know, she's stuck in a state of that. Arrested Development, and she's like, "Hmm, am I?" 
And so she kind of explored that, right? So, so I think she put a little bit of herself, you know, and then into Mavis. And and according to Charlize Theron, um, when they were on the set, because they only had a month to put this on, a lot of people would come in and say, you know, here's a particular thing in my life that I'm probably not too proud of doing and stuff like that. So they kind of collaborated into how to create and did the things to do with Mavis um, to make her that much more interesting to watch. Um, I feel like, oh, she's interested to watch. I'm always um, intrigued by the character of Matt too, right? Because you know, I, I always kind of feel like if Matt were able to get the help that he needed to get past this, this trauma that he went through and his, his how he felt other people looked at him and his, his sense of self-worth, he'd be a very rich person, not a rich person, but a very interesting person to know, right? Because again, he distills his own bourbon. He, you know, he does some interesting things. He, he has a, you know, he, he's maintaining as far as having a job and stuff like that. So he's functional, but he's not happy. Well, would you be? Probably. Would, wouldn't you feel like life dealt you a shitty hand? Um, probably not if, I, I mean, cause I knew people who've been dealt shitty hands before and they've been able to get past it. And the way they've been able to get past it is the fact that they had a support system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and friends and things like that, which that he didn't have cause he was kind of sequestering himself because he didn't want to get probably hurt. Right. So it was just him and his sister living in what looks like their parents' house. The parents probably moved to Florida or something, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so this, this movie came out in 2011, so we're to assume that they graduated high school like in the late 90s. They were in like 30... She was 37, so yeah. She was 37? She's 37 So it would have been it would have been 1990. It wouldn't have been yeah. late 90s. It would have been the 90s. So there still would have been that homophobic vibe going throughout yeah. the country. Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, because she she even says we would have had a teenager by now when she's talking about the the miscarriage that she oh, that's had. That's right. Yeah. So okay, okay. Maybe, maybe it's a good time for a break. I think it's a great time for a break. Okay, yay, yay. Hello there. Do you like movies but feel overwhelmed by the avalanche of titles available every week in the theaters and on streaming services? Do you struggle with justifying the increasing cost of movies at the theater or whether to pick up another streaming service? Well, I have a resource for you. One Movie Punch. Your movie review podcast for currently playing newly streaming classic and cult movies. One movie per day, every day. We track the theaters, streaming services, and the occasional physical release to find the best movies currently available. We watch every film, then distill it into a short three to five minute review and publish a daily podcast. And now with year two, we've gone spoiler free for all movies within the last three years and bringing on a team of reviewers with brand new perspectives and selections. Want more information? Head over to www.onemoviepunch.com to subscribe to the daily podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Movie Punch and Facebook at www.facebook.com slash One Movie Punch. We'll see you there. Okay, what do we talk about now? Um, well, I think before we move on from Pat Oswalt, I think the thing that I wanted to say about him, not necessarily in terms of this film, but him as a, an actor, even as a stand-up comic, I think what makes him so good in roles like this you know, that are not stand-up comedy or sitcom comedy and things like that, is he's got this authenticity to him, right? You feel like you are not seeing any artifice 
Okay. Right. He's um, he's very much a, as far as his looks are concerned, you know, a very down to earth person. Right. He's not movie star. Good looks. He's kind of salt of the earth kind of looking person. Right. Um, but I just kind of feel like there's a quality to him that gets you on his side. Okay. Um, would you agree or, I mean, especially now since, you know, the whole world has kind of gone through this whole thing with him where, you know, when he lost his wife and he was grieving and now he's remarried and, you know, all that stuff. And his stand up after that all happened was so real and so honest that you just can't help but have I don't know you just respect him and like him and you know he's likable right I didn't yeah, find is. him I didn't find him all that likable in King of Queens because I guess felt like he was just kind of whiny but <laughs> yeah but I mean that was his character and he did yeah. it well yeah he did do it well I liked him I liked him in that better than I did Ratatouille <laughs> but how do you get to look like a rat man that's that's transformation right Confu- there yeah yeah <laughs> it was a great job by him because no I, he, he, I think he's just genuine. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I think, I think he's America like, so what you see is what you get type of guy, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to a Mel Gibson or or a Bruce Willis. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Where he has to be vulnerable, it seems like it's completely natural and potentially easy for him. Right. So, yeah. Okay, um, so let's just move on to two of the other characters. I, I don't have much to say about that, but Buddy and Beth, what did you... Th- <laughs> eh, eh. I mean, they were just... They were... They were they were just pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. That, that's. I mean, I, they did a good job. I... I honestly... I, I I mean, when you get to the end and you find out that you know she got invited to the party simply because Beth felt sorry for her and nobody liked her, if that's really why they felt like that, why'd they send her the email to begin with about the birth of the of the kid? Um, I think it was just one of those blast emails, like they just kind of sent. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, but she doesn't she doesn't really communicate with Buddy anymore, does she? It's the, you know what I mean? It could have been just, one of those send all. I don't. You know what I mean? Eh, I, maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's what kind of starts Mavis off in the beginning because she starts obsessing about it, right? With the friend yeah. in, you know, they, in the beginning of the film, she's talking to the friend and the friend's like, why are you freaking out about this? And she's like, I'm not. This is just happening. I'm telling you something that happened to me. Of course, that's her being defensive, but she basically said, this is like an inner circle kind of thing. And I just think it was, hey, just send it all out. And it was Beth who sent the email. Um, you know, a couple of the interviews, stuff like that, even Charlie's there and said it came from Beth, right? So she might have just sent to everybody in the inbox or in the email right. address book. Who knows? But I... What did he do for a living, supposedly? He was like an ad sales for some local company. I can't remember the. That's right. The the company and he she said was something a, about she, how she got a, he got a promotion or something. Yeah, and she was a teacher. Yeah. So and he I think he works at the same company his dad does or something like that a plant or something I don't know <laughs> who knows. Yeah, I liked I liked how they made Beth. I I don't like. I mean, uh, it was just a typical Hollywood move that Beth was the polar opposite of Mavis. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff from thrift stores in here. You know, 
um, wore jeans and a t-shirt, uh, was nice to everybody. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I mean, right. it, it was just like, that was kind of like, why, you know, it, it would have been, it, to me, it would have been a little more believable if you'd have had a person that was like Mavis, but was a good person, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a professional or a, you, you know, that, 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 you know, high, not high society, but it was obvious that Beth wasn't, she wasn't motivated by anything. Yeah, she was uh, much she's more not materialistic. She's just a oh, you know, I love I love my kids and and I you know you know what I mean. You, you see what I'm getting yeah. at? Well, I think that kind of portrays why they stay in their small town, right? Because obviously, the the one thing because even when she meets Matt at the bar and bars like uh, she's like oh, what are you doing back in Mercury? Did you move back? And she didn't. Mavis is like, oh, gross. You know, she does not like this town. She's always had aspirations to get out of the town. Um, I think she kind of feels like Buddy's in the same place that he was when they were high school sweethearts that he wanted to get out of that town too, but he didn't, right? And it had to show them as happy and settled where they are, right? Uh, yeah, but he, he still could have gone with the same type of person that Mavis was, just a nice person. Right. I mean, he, he literally went polar opposite. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like they were saying not only is Mavis flawed mentally and physically, but the type of person she is is, you know, that's a bad person that wants to move to the city. <laughs> and you, 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 you right, understand what I'm right. saying? Yeah. It was, it, was very, it was a very cliched move on my part, on their part, I think. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just me. So, um, you know, I mean, they had a, they had a nice house and, and things like that. It was obvious that there was people in the town that had money because her parents had had a lot of money. So there's obvious, I mean, every jobs, every right. city that's got that many people and it has a, the ability to make money. But I, 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 they did, they did not develop either, either one of them, mm-hmm. but he was her, she saw him as her boyfriend from high school and he was just a guy that you kept thinking he was making all the wrong decisions throughout the whole movie. She was just a teacher that had that helped um special needs kids that had a baby. That's that's what I uh, saw there was nothing yeah. major there. I think in some respects too there's excuse me. Cat wanted to say something apparently since he had his face right in the microphone. Um that he and and Beth also had some <laughs> so the cat's rubbing on the microphone the microphone's turning hold on get out of the way kitty come on thank you um that they had some af- affinity with the 90s too like maybe that they were kind of stuck in that era as well right because the band she there's a cover band does 90s covers um she dedicates the concept to buddy so apparently that's still kind of his favorite song you know (laughs) but they are still but they are living in their choices and they're living in in their choice to stay in the town they're moving forward they're having a family they're you know what i mean so it's just kind of a a stark contrast. I think Buddy's more of a blank slate because obviously Mavis has to project all that. Well, he never got to go out of the city. He needs rescuing. He needs saving. And he's just trying to be nice. Like they're trying to not be rude to her. But at the same time, that's sending the wrong signal. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm okay. I, I okay with it, I guess. I just, 
to me, it was just cliched that they went that direction. So, you know, I said it. <laughs> um, the ending is kind of left open to interpretation, right? Is she going to change? Is she going to stay the same? Did you feel that way about this movie? Or did you feel like the opposite? Uh, uh, I mean, they wanted to make you. They wanted to make you think that she changed because the way she treated the dog. She started acknowledging the dog, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm really sorry that I ignored you. But I mean, when she pulled out, when she pulled out of the parking lot, she was still driving like an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, she was. I don't think that they. I don't think they left a lot of it open to change now that I think about it because the girl told her, you know what, those donuts are for the VIP members and she just took one and ate it right in her face. Right. I think she was still the same person. I think that she had just accepted that her her life in Mercury was over. Yeah. I think she just had had no, she was just going to go back to the big city and maybe treat her dog a little bit better, but still be the same type of person, you know, have to find another job or whatever. But yeah, I, I, when I first saw this movie, I kind of felt like, okay, I don't know what happened. I don't know if she's going to change or not. I don't know if she's going to stay the same. But I think the answer, and I think you're you're more on the, the right track with it. Because I think the answer kind of falls into the book, the ending of the book. Because I show her in a diner ending the book. Now, throughout the book, she's talking about this main character of Kendall, who's the most beautiful, popular sc- girl in Waverly Academy. Um, and throughout it, too... She's writing the storyline, which is this thinly veiled Buddy Beth thing, right? She doesn't know why Kendall's ex-boyfriend, when they come back from summer vacation, is with this losery, not losery girl, but a girl that she sees as less than herself. Maybe maybe a woman who likes to shop at thrift stores and teaches special needs kids. (laughs) Well, I think she portrayed her as dumpy, you know, in the book. And when she's writing the Waverly Prep book, the the boy, the ex-boyfriend is with someone who's clearly not in Kendall's league. Um, so at the end, when she's writing the end of the book, she makes it clear <laughs> that the boyfriend character in the book and the girlfriend that, and the girl that she's, he's dating in the book died in a boating accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she effectively kills them. And Kendall is and Kendall. The, the character of the book is now graduated and off to Cambridge and not looking back, not looking back. And, and that that's, it, yeah, but Kendall didn't change. She's just graduated nope. and off we go. So yep. I, I mean, agreed. Why, why did they have the girl that worked at the, the hotel counter? Why was she such a bitch? She wasn't a bitch, but she was just like she was she zero was zero personality. Just there doing her job in a small town. That's all I could see about it, right? I don't know if she was a bitch, but she was definitely not. I don't think she'd have held perky. her job for very long. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I mean, small Hampton Inns are upscale. <laughs> they have donuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I just maybe it's it's kind of. Again, you've got her, the girl working behind the ca- uh, the counter at the hotel. Um, what age would you, age range would you put her in? Mid twenties. Would you say? Uh, see, I thought younger than that. I thought skewed younger than that because she acted more like, okay, I'm here, I'm doing my job, but whatever. Well, I know a lot of people you know? in their mid fifties that are like that. So <laughs> age isn't really a age doesn't really matter in that situation. <laughs> we talked a little bit about the whole. It's supposed to be a, a dark comedy and. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we've watched our share of dark comedies together, and we kind of we kind of laugh at them, and they're not as funny as they are. Ow. Thought provoking. Um, you know what I mean? But they're they're they usually have their their moments. I think a lot of the the moments that they tried to make in this movie were inside jokes that that we missed. Really? Yeah. Um, Please explain. The line where she sits down the first night she she runs into Matt mm-hmm. and she says, I run, I write young adult novels and Pat Nozzle makes a joke. So are there vampires in them? Do you, right. get, do you get that joke? Oh, well, I just thought it was probably around the same time that they were doing Twilight and stuff like that. The actor who played Beth was in the Twilight movies. Oh, okay. So that was, I mean, um, if... Apparently, there's a way to see it, but every time that you see her computer screen when she's writing, the file that she's writing in is called piece of shit dot doc, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually pretty fucking funny. Um, and I did not know this either, even though I saw it. I only saw it once, and it was a long time ago. The actor that plays Buddy, Patrick Wilson, yeah, he played Night Owl in Watchmen. Okay, never saw Watchmen. Uh, right, and and listen, if you. <laughs> Everybody tells me how good it is. Uh, okay, good for you. Um, it was. It was. It's different. It's different. I don't know if I liked it or not. I mean, I, I saw it, but the the one the one scene where she's in his room, and she is playing with the little doll that he has in the little pinchers because he's like, oh, maybe, oh, don't don't touch that. The paint's wet. Yeah. That's night owl. Oh, okay. Yeah. So right. there's a lot of little inside jokes, and there's a lot more of them if you if you look them up. I, I but I don't feel like if you want a movie to be funny, that you should have to know those things to to make to to catch a joke. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like the humor, and and you may disagree with me. I think the inside things that they did, okay, that's great. But I don't think that they were completely relying on it. I think that it's more about the discomfort. And people saying things that you don't expect them to say, and and the p- other people around them reacting to them. Well, the the discomfort I don't find funny. Okay. I, I I guess some people do. They they take. I mean, it's funny to them that you know the scene with the scene where they're in the bar and the band is playing, and she's constantly making these eyes at him, and then mm-hmm. and having to deal with other people, like the you know. You're hating her while she's doing this because you know what she's trying to do. Unless you're a piece of shit and you like to break up marriages, I guess, and this movie's for you. If when they started to play the song, mm-hmm. the look on her face, yeah, my wow. I mean, I thought she was going to set that place on fire. I don't. I mean, and I and and I didn't expect them to play that song. That took me by surprise. But when right. they did, I'm like, okay, that's that's some good writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I should have known that it was going to happen. They played that song like 87 times in this fucking movie. <laughs> Well, she kept playing it I know. when she's on her way and kept doing it on repeat and repeat I, I know. and repeat. I know, I know. I no, I'm just, I'm explaining it, not for you. They've seen this movie. For people who have listened and who are listening. They don't need to be reminded. You need to stop that right now. <laughs> no, I, no, no, you need to stop that right now. So when I, I, I should have seen it coming because it's called foreshadowing. Yes. Not foreskinning, foreshadowing. <laughs> And and when that when they started to play it, she got this look on her face, and I was like, "Oh God damn, she's gonna she's gonna snap," and she didn't. But it just like made you hate her all the more. Well, I mean, she she tried to use that as 
well, let me step back a second because part of me in seeing that scene again, I'm like, okay, so what does this say? Like he made her this mixtape when they were in, 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 in high school, out of, in college, whatever. And so she's ascribed this personal meaning and this is their song or whatever. Now, does it mean that she just misread into the situation so bad and this was his favorite song? Does it mean that this was his song that he used to woo his dates? Did You know, what is, you know what I mean? But she is clearly so wounded by the fact that this song is now being dedicated to him by his wife. So it's, that is like, what's going on right did she did she just misread the song did he just share that song with anybody and it didn't have any personal meaning from i mean that's pretty much what i say it didn't have she she's taking too much person personal stake in this being their song than this being his song oh right? i i agree yeah. i agree uh, but which leads me to a piece of life advice for everybody um if you're not married and you're dating someone um, and you guys want to have a song, you know, like a like a your couple song. <laughs> don't make it be a good song because when you break up, then you don't want to hear that song anymore. But it's a good song, and now you're sad you can't listen to it. Just a piece of advice. <laughs> just a, just a piece of advice. Just take that for whatever it's worth. But let's go to the next part. So she's wounded by that, and the way that she tries to recover it is she tries to keep reminding him that that song had personal meaning to them, right? Oh, I remember making out to this song with you. I, and this was the first song that was playing. Uh, this was the song that was playing when I first went down on you. That was unexpected. And, and gross. You, and gross. Yeah. But. <laughs> I mean, not not gross. Like, don't know that's no. But you're like, you're like, wait. I mean, you're like, you're like in public. You're like, that, oh my God, I can't believe she just said yeah, that. Right. So, 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 so the, the, the way I felt like, like, like if you're at like, um, you're in an Applebee's and you're sitting at a bar and your friend is sitting, you <laughs> know, like coming, coming out of an Applebee's coming, coming, yeah, coming back, coming back from the, from the restaurant or the restroom and over the song, over the PA comes this song on and you scream across the bar. Hey, remember when I blew you to this song? <laughs> you're like, um, that was that wasn't me (laughs) i can assure you i was not there (laughs) well she was like after she said that she laughed and kind of leaned her head into his shoulder and i mean just it was cringe worthy all that was that that was was the worst scene of the movie i mean and I, i think it was supposed to be yeah i also think it's funny that um she's so into herself that she thinks that she is what she is and yet Every time they have the opportunity to remind you that she wears that she stuffs her bra. Oh, she doesn't have, she uses those suction cup pasty things. I can't I don't know what they're called cuz I don't use them. They're like rubber. Yeah. They that makes your boobs look bigger. Yeah. Well, they hold them up and then you can don't have to wear worry about bra straps and all oh. that stuff. Yeah. Well, but, see see I guess I learned something today. It's funny what they what they say in that film is when they do any shots of her getting ready to go out, they take a very Edgar Wright approach to the editing where it's like, you know, like she's putting the stuff together. Like she's got a little hair extension piece that she puts in the back of her head to cover up where her hair is thinning because she's pulling out her hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's done very methodically. Like 
you know, the the getting ready for the zombie scene in, in Shaun of the Dead, where you've got quick cuts of what she's doing and how she's putting herself together. And she's so meticulous about it. She's a slob, but when she wants to go out and look good, she's, you know, completely mm-hmm. meticulous. Um, it's almost like getting ready for war, if you really want to think about it. Yeah. Um, but that was, it's, again, very uncom- a very uncomfortable movie. But. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any trivia about the film? Did uh, you find it? You you got it already. What was that? All the inside that jokes. That's pretty pretty much it. Yeah, there's not a Do there's not a lot. I know that. Um, I know that um, Jason Reitman asked Charlize Theron to be in this movie at the 2009 Grammy or uh, Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they filmed it in 30 days. They filmed it mostly in uh new york state yes they did uh, lots of different boroughs uh they do they did use shots of minneapolis for certain scenes but they they did film most of it in new york state um i don't have a whole lot other than that i know i mean i know the box office numbers and stuff like that but just do you know who did the voice of the publisher on the phone no jk simmons Oh, that sounds that sounds about right. Okay, yeah, two thousand eleven. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so he was he J. John Jameson. <laughs> Come on, is Mavis, this, you need to get you need this, to get Spider Man. Is this in the Marvel universe? <laughs> is this a Marvel movie? Maybe <laughs> Diablo Cody, Jason Reitman universe kind of goes very much into the Marvel universe. Who knows? Um, Pat Oswalt was asked. Um, when he was interviewed on the red carpet, um, he said that being next to Charlize Theron in his underwear was what you would think would be a dream, but an absolute nightmare for him. He's like, why can't I be next to somebody else who's like bigger and dumpier, fatter, than, me, dumpier yeah. than me so I look good by comparison? <laughs> um, that was an awkward scene. I didn't care for it. Yeah, I, and I think that was just more her looking to feel better than her really caring about whether or not they had to be, but she needed that closeness. I think, you know, again, part of her personality is to feel like she's better than everybody else. And her idolization of Buddy throughout the entire film quickly turns into devaluation at the end when she hears that they just feel sorry for her. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. And they should. She's a weirdo. <laughs> weirdo. Well, it's the, uh, the uh, New York Times review of it said, once a prom queen, still a spoiled princess. That's what they <laughs> put I it mean, down it's, here. it's true. What did she, what did you say to, um, there was a really good, or, um, characterization in here and I can't find it. Hey, riff for me. Oh, shorter than a bad date and as sour as a vinegar. Oh, shorter than a bad date and as sour as a vinegar popsicle, young adult shrouds its brilliant, brave, breathtakingly cynical heart in a superficial blandness of a commercial comedy. A vinegar popsicle. Sour as a vinegar popsicle. All right then. I I agree. It pretty much, you know, 
distills what your face looked like watching this movie half the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was... <laughs> I guess it's a good thing the bars were closed down because I didn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> uh, you got box office for this? I do. Okay. It was not very good. It had a budget of twelve million, and it did uh, it did just over sixteen million at the box office, sixteen point three million. It was the number one hundred and forty third movie of two thousand eleven. It technically could have come in at about one thirty because uh, it released late in the year, so they don't count, you know, what happens yeah, this, in December. This was like a Christmas time release. It was. It came out December 9th. Uh, it ranked right up there with the Thing remake. I don't know if it was a remake or if it was the continuation, the thing. Oh, that the they prequel? Did. Yeah, the prequel. So um, it made money. It ended up doing $22 million worldwide. Uh, so I mean, for I mean, it almost doubled its money. So I mean, again, I've I've said it a thousand times. If I can spend twelve million dollars on something and get back twenty two million, I'm I'm gonna mm-hmm. do it all day long. Um, it wasn't super popular. It wasn't in theaters for a long time. It was critically acclaimed. Mm-hmm. A lot of critics liked it. Um, and I think it I think it did very well at the uh, the film festival route. Yeah, there were a lot of nominations for Patton Oswalt, Charlize Theron, and Diablo Cody um, at on the on the um, the film. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Festival circuit. I mean, um, when you get right down to it, the acting and it was really well, really good. And I think the writing's good. Uh, um, it was it was a well made movie. It was it, it it was clean. It you know what there, there's not like a lot of plot holes. I mean, there's not a lot of I have questions. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. It just I can I can see why this movie was not a blockbuster. It's not. It's just not what a lot of people want to see. No, it doesn't fall within mainstream taste. I don't. I don't think at all. Um, let me look real quick here. So, the awards and nominations were a lot from um, film critics associations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of nominations. Um, Charlize Theron, Diablo Cody, and Patton Oswalt were nominated for Critics Choice Movie Awards. Um, the Dallas Fort Worth Film Critics Association had nominations for Charlene Theron as Best Actress. Um, Charlene Theron had the um, nomination for a Golden Globe Award. Hollywood Film Festival Screenwriter of the Year, Diablo Cody won for that. Um, National Society of Film Critics, uh, Patton Oswalt uh, came in third place um, for Best Supporting Actor. And for the Los Angeles Film Critics Association, he came in second place for Best Supporting Actor. Um, Palm Springs International Film Festival, the movie got the Chairman's Vanguard Award. Um, so that was to Jason Reitman, Diablo Cody, Charlize Theron, and Patton Oswalt. Uh, Patton Oswalt won the Virtuoso Award at the Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara International Film Festival. Um, and Charlize Theron was nominated for a Satellite Award. Um, Pat Oswald was nominated by Toronto Film Critics Association, and the Writers Guild of America Award went um, was a nomination for Diablo Cody. So a lot of critics. And it doesn't surprise me. This is the type of film critics like. And I'm not shitting on critics, but oh, this is a masterpiece. But you know, Transformers is crap. I it just. <laughs> It's 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 a discussion that we have. They're different films, quite often. Completely well, different films. Yeah, I, I agree, but that doesn't mean that um, Transformers is garbage just because it's shit blown up. Now I, I know I, I get it. The Transformers 
are are a very divisive film thing. Blah blah blah. It's just you know it, it, a movie is what a movie sets out to be. It doesn't have to be um, thought provoking to be a great movie. But um, it, it it I can see why they liked it because again the the, the acting was very good. Uh, the story is 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 compelling. You know you. It, it it makes you feel things that you don't typically a movie doesn't you don't want a movie to make you feel you know you don't you don't typically sit and root against the mm-hmm. the protagonist right protagonist is a good guy the antagonist yeah. is the bad guy uh so I, I i get it and and you know what i i guess my life is better cuz i saw it i, I, <laughs> I you know i mean um I mean, I keep let, letting you watch movies that make you laugh, and you keep what, letting me watch movies that make me cry. So I, I guess it's a uh, good team what? here. <laughs> you laughed. You laughed at Team America. Don't I even, did laugh don't at Team even. America. Right. Yes, that that I will I will I will agree with you on that one. Um, one of the things that back in the trivia, I watched some of the deleted scenes from this movie, and there's one scene in particular that again does a really good job of painting her as this immature very self-centered person it's as she's leaving her apartment she goes down to the garage and sees that her car is kind of all blocked in um and she comes back with one of the guys from the um the apartment complex and he's like yeah you're in long-term parking that means you know we usually need so many you know, so much advance notice to get your car out. And she's like, well, it's a family emergency. I really need to go. My mother's dying. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, God. That is just, again, you're like, oh, my God. Who would say that at 37 years old? It's, you know. <laughs> Somebody who wanted to get their car out immediately. Yeah, exactly. Feel sorry for me. Get it out. Do what I need. Well, to, I you mean. Know, do what I need you to do. I'm going to say whatever I'm going to say to get you to. To, to get me to my means. In her defense, when they build those buildings, it's ridiculous the way that they have parking anyway. Mm-hmm. There there needs to be more parking at those buildings, but you know, then they don't make as much money. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> do you have three favorite moments? Uh I do. You want me to go first? Um, yeah, why don't you? Um my my third was when uh she showed up in the cabriolet. Okay. Just because you went from driving your little Mini Cooper to the Cabriolet, and you went from like one preppy vehicle to another, I just yeah. thought it was even though it was a piece of shit at this point, it was still kind of funny. Uh, my second was when she said, "I think I'm an alcoholic," and her mom just laughed at her. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, that's that's dark. I get it. It's but, rough. I mean, yeah. holy shit! That that whole scene is yeah. just amazingly uncomfortable. But it just you really wonder what happened in this family. If what, I mean, if she'd have said, I think I'm a Democrat, do you think her parents would have reacted the same way? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Oh my God, get out. (laughs) Uh, And my favorite scene was when she, uh, I can't remember exactly where it happened, but it was later in the movie. And I think, I think it was the night that after she went to the party and found out that everybody hated her, when she went to the KFC and she ordered the food and they just oh kept my putting, god they kept they putting kept stuff putting on the tray on she had like a, a she had like one of the be- a mashed potato bowls and she had a, a thing of chicken and she had uh, she had some tacos yeah what oh did they call it they called it the Kentucky a Kentucky hut K- so it's a Kentucky hut. Fried Chicken a Taco Bell and a Pizza Hut yeah that was that was I mean and she just sat there and just just demolished it I was so proud of her <laughs> <laughs> it's the only good thing she did in the entire movie. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, I liked when um, when she first meets Matt at the bar and they're sitting there and they're drinking and it's obviously that obviously they've had a few. Um, and she takes Matt outside the bar to tell him why she's really back in town. And that conversation is his, to me, it's funny. I mean, the way that Pat not Oswald reacts to her because, you know, he's like, well, as far as I know, Buddy Slade's happily married with a kid on the way. And she's like, no, the kid's here, the kid's here, but we all have our baggage. Yeah. So that, that line is funny. But when he says, I would not tell this to anyone except a licensed mental health professional. The way he says that line, you laughed out loud because it's not a good idea. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, the other thing that made me laugh in that scene is she, at some point she says, love conquers all. Haven't you seen The Graduate? Okay, yes. That's I did, I a did laugh. very bad misreading I, I of did the laugh. end of The Graduate. I did laugh out loud at that because, yes, that is not what they were talking about at the end of that movie. <laughs> They were talking about, oh, what the fuck have we done? That's that's what that that's what the ending of that movie was. Uh, that was brilliant. Um, the first few minutes, because as I said before, the intro to this movie, even before they get to the credits, is very extended, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of dialogue in it. But it's it's brilliant because it really is a great introduction to who this character is. Yeah, it it's was done very well. The, um, the entire movie was done very well. Mm-hmm. But I just think that even that, and even when they get into the title sequence, it tells you more with not a lot. It's very much a show don't tell situation, and it's done right. Um, so that I I do enjoy that title sequence. Um, in the very uncomfortable concert scene that we just talked about, as far as how she reacts when the song is dedicated and 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 everything she says and as she's doing it, but in that scene. There's a shot where you see Patton Oswalt standing behind the bar watching her, watching Mavis. And the look on his face is like, it's concern, but it's also, what are you doing? It's, it's it's a train it's the train wreck look. It it's not so much a train wreck look like uh, this is interesting I want to see where it goes but it's almost a not a pity for her but definitely he's the only character that can feel empathy for her and you see it in his face. Well he's they had already filmed the sex scene at that point so mm-hmm. he was he was sad. Pat Oswalt himself. Yeah, he, he was sad, yeah. He's, that's he was over sad. with. Because he said, you know, I had, to, I had to stand next to her and I feel bad about myself. But I think that that, that was good. I, I also had the scene with the parents down too as a as an alternate because that was just very, very good. But one of my one of my favorite lines in the movie, and I, and it was it was it was was the graduate line. And mm-hmm. I remember that. And again, it, when you watch a movie and you really enjoy it, I think you remember things more than you did than you than you don't. You know what I'm trying to say. Right. Uh, there was a part where they were drinking and she does something and he's got just as many drinks in front of him and he's like, ah, oh, take that liver after she <laughs> takes a shot. And I'm like, dude, what are you, you're, you're doing the same thing, man. I mean. <laughs> uh, I do like the fact that he names his um, his batches of bourbon after Star Wars. Well, he says in the movie he's a nerd. Yeah, he says I'm yeah. just a nerd. I'm just a lonely. I'm a I'm a lonely introverted nerd. So yeah, I mean I, th- I guess he's an accountant. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what he does because mm-hmm. he says I do all the books and everything for now. The guy, d- did they know who owned that bar that that pub that they went to? Was I don't. They didn't. They say. never really went into yeah, it. Yeah, they didn't really say. 
something in my mind made me feel like maybe that buddy had something to do with that because his wife's band was playing there and yeah. he knew, I, I don't know, but still. There is also a scene where she meets Buddy for the first time at that bar and she doesn't know that it's, you know, where Matt, works, Matt, there. Matt yeah. works there. And Matt's, ta- you know, Matt sees Buddy and they're, they're talking and of course he's kind of being... A little like, oh, you know what he's, I mean? He's, he, he's, he knows he's like... He's not clinging, but what is it? He's, he's, he's just kind of He's killing the vibe, about, yeah, right. Yeah, he's, I think he's trying to kill the vibe. But at one point, he's, she says something about their their team mascot used to... She said, you know, go engines or something like that. And he's like, oh, no, they actually changed that to Indian now because, you know, it's, you know, a little... Not not quite, but, you know, <laughs> I just thought it was... It just really funny the way he delivered that line and she's like okay i'll get out of here you know? he was you know it he was to me the best part of that movie he the, the also when she said to him you see he gave me his sweater um and you he pat waldo says that yeah I, I can see that and what a train wreck he kind of he makes some yeah. kind of comment he he just is him he's is himself in that so mm-hmm. and i think it's funny because in that scene that you're talking about she takes a you know they take a bottle and she wants to go drink it behind the school because in her glory days that's what they did Mm -hmm. so to her this is a good memory for her because he used to hang out and party in the woods he is obviously uncomfortable a because he can't walk very well in there but that's where he got got beaten up up, and it doesn't even like phase her or even like come into her mind that that would be an uncomfortable place for him Uh, and it's there's so much dipshit she's a dipshit there is so much in this film and that's why i like I kind of like this this film. I wouldn't watch it every day or every week or whatever like it, but every once in a while I'll pick it up because there's so much to kind of find. That's I, I can see that. That's my um, reasoning and you're sticking to my it. defense of this. No film. defense. <laughs> Ask me the question. Would you watch this movie again? Eh, if you had it on, I guess. Okay. It was. It wasn't horrible. It's not, it's not, it's throw not, it up against the wall and it didn't stick for you. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not a bad movie. It just. It's not. It's not. It just doesn't resonate with me because that's not what I like to see. Yeah. Maybe if the ending had been different, maybe maybe if that story arc had come a lot, where maybe she maybe she doesn't get the guy, but she she you know that she's going to be a better person or right. You know, but I mean, it's just like you know, why don't we make a why don't we make a movie about Hitler? I mean. <laughs> Oh, really? Is that that bad? Well, no. I mean, you, you, you know, going into it, you, you know, if you know that he's a piece of shit going into it, you're hoping that at the end he's not a piece of shit. And if he's still a piece of shit, then what are we doing here? Right. I, I, I get why they did it. And the and the sad the sad truth is that that's probably the reality of life. Right. She's not going to change and She's, be a different person. Not at, not yeah. at 37 years old, especially since life's about to get significantly harder for her because she's not going to have a job. Yeah, I think I, I mean, what you ideally want to see is her getting some help. Right. Because she's got a lot. To you mean do. like an auto body guy to fix? Her well, car? the auto body. Yeah, for one. But <laughs> I, I think also some as as Matt said, a licensed mental health professional yeah. um, would probably be the best next step for her but they had a problem prob- probably not they had a problem finding a mini cooper with a tape deck in it really is when was the last time you saw a car with a tape deck in it um god yeah 1994 in fact i don't think you had them in 1994 because they had moved on to cds by then so they had to rig something up for this mini cooper to have a tape so deck. does that well you know what that says a lot about her though that she doesn't have cds and that she want she got 
probably had to get that in there custom or, you know, so wow, that says a lot about her too. I don't know that they were using that as a saying something about her. I, 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 I'm going to say I, they did. I think, I think it would have been, I think it would have been better if they would have used the CD mm-hmm. because you could write CDs. I don't know if could no you couldn't write CD not in the early nineties no, no you could you, so so she had to have had the tape deck so yeah. okay okay cool maybe right. maybe they, maybe they didn't I don't know all right so is this time for my my last question yeah maybe even though I still don't know what the answer is oh well how are we gonna do this then I don't know okay um so what are you going to make me watch for the next episode since it is now your turn it is my turn. <clears throat> This gets harder every week because I'm running out of movies and I don't know which ones I want to have you watch. Um, let's see. Let's see. We did Team America, so we did a comedy. Let's do. Um, let's do Tombstone. Ah, oh, no, no, that piece. No, okay, fine. <laughs> Is that the Huckleberry? Yeah. I mean, it's Kurt Russell. Be my Huckleberry. I'm, no, I'm your Huckleberry. I'm your Huckleberry. Okay. I've been there. S- I've been to Tombstone. So. Say when. Okay. I know you've never seen it. This um, I saw that in the theater. It's it's a very quotable movie to okay. me. Um, you know, you might like it. You might not. I don't care. <laughs> well, you know, this like is it. our second western ish. It is. Yeah. And you don't like westerns. I mean, what we're what we're down to now is movies that I want you to see, but I don't know if you're going to like them or not. Or yeah. Well, I mean, we haven't done a war movie yet. Do you want to do a war movie? No, we don't have to do a war movie right now. I think Tombstone's a good choice. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, we haven't done a war movie. Um, we've had a, a, a very few sprinkles of like action-type movies. but mm-hmm. um, The next movie, after the next time I pick, will be a comedy, just so you know. What, what's that look on your face? What does that mean? I Please don't, don't make me watch <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to make you watch Ernest. Please. <laughs> Well, it depends. Which Ernest? <laughs> you really don't like Ernest that much? <laughs> Do I need to take him off the list? Because Ernest Goes to Camp is fucking awesome. Uh, I mean, this is not the intent of whether or not I'm going to like it. It's right. too well, I guess it. I'll, I'll Did, take it off. Okay, so, so you could appreciate the acting and the writing and all this other stuff in the movie, but this movie's not for you. I appreciate the movie. It was, okay. it was, it's good. It's a good movie. It, it, if you like that type of thing, then it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. If you if you don't like Transformers, then you don't watch Transformers. Right. This isn't. We've watched movies like this before, and I've been okay with. Like I said, it just when you when you're uncomfortable for an hour and a half, you want to pay off at the end, and there was there was no payoff for me. Mm-hmm. I understand why people would like it. I understand why it's respected. I understand when, but I just it's not it's not a feel good movie. No. And it, it's no, not no, no. it's not that's kind of why I watch movies. You want to feel good at the end. Well, I mean. I don't read a book so I can be depressed. I don't, I don't want to watch a movie so I can be depressed. I mean, if I if if like if if I had had a girlfriend like that in my life, it probably would have been even. Wor- well, wait, I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I mean, <laughs> it. As long as you don't have a wife like that, I don't think I would have. I, I do like Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll just avoid that last part. Um, <laughs> I, I I I I understand and agree that Charlize Theron is a very good actress, and she she she's versatile too. She's, she she's fairly versatile. She's kind of put herself into a, a typecast because she's 
really doing a lot of these types of movies where she plays like a broken character. Yeah, uh, I, I and see. I haven't seen a lot of them, and even though I do want to see some, like I've never seen Monster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different movies. I mean, in in Mad Max, she was you know she was an action hero. Yeah, but I don't think that this movie would have been enjoyable. Uh, air quotes if Patton Oswalt had not been in that part. Okay, I just think you're right. He he did a he did a really good job, and and he's a likable character. He's a likable person. You know right. what I mean? It's like, um, and I kind of touched on this. You you can go back and watch movies like Lethal Weapon and like Riggs, because he was a great guy. But now when you go back and watch it now, knowing that the type of person that that Mel Gibson. Whether he had a bad night or he's really like that, you're kind of like, you know what, kind of stains it for me because I don't know if I want to like Mel Gibson. You know what you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I really, I really like that football player until I found out he beat the shit out of his wife. Now, do I want to like him now? That type of thing. You don't have any reason to dislike Patton Oswalt. So when you see him, you're kind of rooting for him anyway. And then to be an underdog character on top of that, I don't know that I would have enjoyed the movie as much with without him in it. Okay, that's all. All right. Plus that song. God, fuck that song. <laughs> they played, I mean, you might as well have just gotten, I don't know, Talk Dirty to Me and played it 57 times because, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. oh, this song's supposed to be catchy. Oh, okay, just because it's catchy doesn't mean it's good. Katy Perry much? <laughs> so, but, you know, but I understand why they did it because they had to have something from that from that 90s era, so. Yeah, Okay. So next episode, we're doing Tombstone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Twitter and on Instagram at Honey Watch This. And uh, we have a Facebook page. Um, you can follow me on uh, T5FF underscore Angel on Twitter and uh, Marketing underscore Angel on Insta. Greg? I am gbishop72 on Twitter, although most of my tweets lately have been like making fun of politicians, so if you're not political, don't follow me. (laughs) I'm a mission and tweet a lot for the uh, draft. I didn't tweet for the draft this year. Um, It wasn't. It just wasn't there this year. Yeah, it was last year, but it just wasn't there this year. Yeah, I need I need to step up our social media game. Yeah, you do. Jesus Christ, and with the podcast, I think with this this whole thing that's going on. I just, I just haven't felt motivated to do so. Look, the, the although, one... although I did have our ghost can on Insta. Yeah, you did. Yeah, ghost can. I will say this. It, it, people are saying a lot about the lockdown and about how, how rough it is and how you're infringing on my freedoms. I got to be honest with you. This has kind of been like the gift of time for me because <laughs> our closets have never looked better. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Thank, thank God that it came in spring. In the spring, I was oh. <laughs> now. If I could just get the garage. <laughs> thank you for listening very much. Yeah, if you have a podcast um, and you like movies and you want us to do a certain movie, um, hit us up on any of our social media. Um, DM, slide into our DM um, and let us know. Um, we'll have you on and um, we'll talk about your movie. We have a dungeon master. No, direct messaging. Oh. No dungeon master. I was excited Sorry. for a second. I, I know, I know. Sorry to disappoint, baby. All right. I guess enjoy the lockdown. Mm, bye. Bye.